Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is a father and who I will call someone you will seek for wise counsel. Mr. John Scott, thank you for joining me. You're quite welcome, sir. I appreciate you. I feel honored to uh, become a uh, guest on your show. No, the, the, I'm I'm honored because, I mean, like I said in the intro, you somebody that I looked up to, you, you know, you pretty much had a hand helping raise me. So it's an honor to get somebody that's known me this close and I've known them on the podcast. Yes, sir. How's your I day going? That. I really appreciate that. How's your day going so far? It's good. It's been a good day. Can't complain. Okay. And we're going to start from the very beginning. Growing up, you, <laughs> you grew up with 16 siblings, correct? Yes, sir, because there was 17 of us, and I had 16 siblings. And I knew about a couple of others that um, Paul was the youngest and the most recent, and he's like the age of my eldest child. So him and I are kind of tight, but not as tight as, you know, as it could have been had he been in the house with us. And then there was a guy named Sidney that was a little older than the rest of us, and he didn't want to be a part of the family. So, oh, I mean, wow. four years today. So, oh, okay. So that look, that was something I didn't know about. Of course, I knew about Paul because I met Paul. Um, yes, but I didn't know about you. Say Sidney. Yes. Okay. Was that so? Me? When did you meet him? Because this is new to me. Well, Sidney was. My a son that my father supposedly had. Uh, we didn't have any DNA to prove it, but we used to go visit them not often, I think maybe twice that I remember in my lifetime, uh, going to visit them. And I think I saw him one time. And he was like a fair-skinned guy, and he was like the punji, but uh, that's all I remember. Now, how old were you? I was fairly young then. I was in my, I was part of the adolescent age then, you know, pre-teens, my tweens, between nine and 12, you know. Let me ask you, because, you know, you would be the oldest Scott um, father's boy. Actually, you're the oldest Scott, period. But no, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm talking about male. Oh, but no, Paul. No? Paul is. Oh, oh, uh, Paul is. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Well, you would have been the oldest boy, though. Yes. So, because of that, would it hit, would hit that change anything knowing that you wouldn't have been the oldest boy anymore? That you know that, like now knowing you wouldn't have been the oldest, would that have changed anything for you? No. Okay. Only thing would have changed for me is the uh, the fact that I didn't get a chance to know my sibling. Hmm. Was that? Do you think about? Do you think about that at times or? Of course I do, but you know I often wonder because you know that's, that's my bloodline. Um, how they're doing, and if they're doing okay, and if it's actually my bloodline, that makes a difference too. Yeah, 
That's not true. a great difference, but somewhat of a difference. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's talk about how I was growing up with the, you know, with the ones that you were actually in the house with. Growing <laughs> up with sixteen, what in the world was that like? Man, I tell you, um, what you know, I thank God for that opportunity because what it's done for me, and and I'll digress a little bit. It has made me to be able to deal with many different personalities in the workforce. Okay. I look at my brothers and sisters in that and my house and I love them all. And they all had their own individual personalities and I had to deal with them all. And I love them all. And some of them did some things that you would not understand sometimes. Said, Damn, that was spite. <laughs> or that was very mean. Why did they do that? You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know they loved you and you loved them too, but it didn't stop them from doing that crazy stuff that they did to you. And what they did for me was made me to be able to accept some of the craziness that goes out in the work or goes on in the workforce. Because there are many different spirits and personalities that you have to deal with. And you learn to deal with them and you learn to love them in spite of because you had to do that with your family. It gives you a different perspective of things and makes you look at things from a make you look at things from a different perspective, I should say. Because because you had so many siblings, um was it harder to get closer to any of them? Were you actually closer? I'm, I'm sure you loved all of them on the same level, but were you actually closer with any of your siblings? I can't say closer, but what I will say is there were some that I spent more time with. And I spent more time with them simply because they were in my time. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't spend a lot of time with Reuben, Abraham, and Joseph because they were behind me. And by the time they were, uh, I spent time with them when they were young, helped to, to rear them for a good while. But at some point, I dropped off because I became busy doing me working okay. outside of the home. You know what I'm saying? I started jobs at age 14. I've been working ever since. Wow. <laughs> what in the world was you doing at 14? <laughs> <laughs> I used to work at a place called, up in Coral Hills, at a place called Best Food. I worked there one time. And um, I used to work at the Red Barn restaurant and has a gas station. Did they, did they have to have a work permit back then? No, we didn't. Not no. <laughs> <laughs> they just like you. You able body cool. <laughs> Absolutely. What I mean, did you feel like? I mean, what was that experience like? Did you work because you know you like because it was so many y'all? Like you knew you had to work to pretty much. I don't want to say what I wanted for yourself, but yeah, 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 exactly. And not only did I get what I wanted, but I also helped out with my brothers and sisters because you know I love. Did you feel you had to because you were the oldest? Um, yes, to some degree. Okay. You know, I, I, I didn't feel that I was pressured to do it, but I felt that it was my responsibility to do it. 
And, and that's what I did. And, and I don't regret it. Now, at a such a young age, how did you balance work and school? Um, <laughs> funny you should mention that because, you know, I, I could go about school. I, this, like, today, almost the last day of Black History Month, right? Okay, and we're going to talk about school. I'll talk to you about school with me. Mm -hmm. I grew up during the era of uh, integration to get out of segregation. And I'm not sure if everybody knows what segregation is. And I'll just describe it to a brief, very high level. Segregation is living in divided sectional life. Black people doing and living in Black people area. White people doing and living white people did. And not being able to go to white stores or not being able to go to white restaurants or, or um, go to white churches and stuff like that. Even churches, which is like abominable, I might tell you, my, in my own opinion. But um, I went to school. I had an opportunity to go to school uh, for a trade, you might say. And my trade at the time was computers. Um, my father was a preacher, spoke to us out like this, and as you know, he was a preacher, saying, you want to do something, you make some money in life, go into computers, learn how to work with computers. And I said, wow. And that's what I did. So I went to Crossland High School because I had a vocational program at a time when I was in high school. There was only two high schools that had a computer program, one being Bladensburg and the other one being Crossland. And I had a choice between the two. And I said, well, I think I'll go after Crossland. Well, Crossland said you had to have a certain grade point average to get in. So I wasn't sure if my grade point average did it, but obviously it was good enough because I went there. And when I went to Crossland, now I'm going to them, bringing to Black history Crossland was 99% white. Well, let's say it this way. It was less than 1% black or 1% or less black. Let's put it mm. in that. Okay. Um, and it was more Caucasians than anything else. There were some Asians there and a few Indians. You know, it was a mix of people. But the majority was Caucasian. Over 80% was Caucasian. Okay. So a lot of my classes, I was the only black person in the class and felt that I had to excel to represent my people. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm um, crossing is 99% black. <laughs> it's totally different. But when I went there, I got my introduction to computers and um, I got my start in the computer field. But that's not what we were talking about. We were talking about something different. And I don't want to digress and you know, forget about where you came from. And that was like you talking about how I felt about the, I think the, um, now I totally forgot. I'm sorry. No, you was actually, you was actually doing fine because we was talking about balance in school and work. So you was okay. Okay, good. So anyway, that's where it is. Let me, but let me interrupt you for a second. So, cause <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little surprised you were actually doing schools with segregated when you were coming up. Yeah, they were. They were segregated. 
in Prince George County, there was a lot of, uh, I went to Farmer Heights Elementary School as a, as a kid from the first grade through the fifth grade. It was all black. And I think that's where I got my best education. Mm. I kid you not. But when I went to Crossland, I felt that I had to excel because, well, I went to Maryland Park, which is my junior high, and that was like 50-50. Okay. And then in high school, I was uh, entering like almost like a university type setting because there weren't many of us in the universities because we didn't have the opportunities that a lot of the uh, white Americans had, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But um, I went there and I did pretty well. Um, I wasn't at the top of my class, but I did very, I did very well to the point where <laughs> I, I'm a veteran in the United States Army. I went to signal school in Fort Gordon, Georgia. And um, I was so bored in the class. And I'm gonna tell you something that I probably never told you before. Um, in the signal school class, I finished number six in the class out of all the people that attended that training when I was there. I don't know how many it was, but I was number six in the class. And I did that without trying, okay? Because yeah. I could have been number one. Um, Hold on, let me stop you. Let me stop you, because that, that's an interesting nugget. You said you wasn't trying. Why not? Because it was that easy for me. Because I'd already been, I'd already learned what they were trying to train me. Um, I, most of what they were trying to train me or teach me, I'd already learned in high school. Oh, okay, okay. Like they were trying to teach me the the biggest thing was the binary number system and then, and the octal. They didn't even go to octal. They went to binary. It was all binary. And I knew that. And they were trying to teach me how to read signals on and off and read code. And because I had been introduced to that stuff at high school, it was boring. I already knew it. <laughs> I'm kidding you not. I used to sit there, try to stay awake in class. It was so boring, I'd fall asleep. And every week we had a test. And the instructors would stand over my shoulders, look at me to find out how this dumb ass Negro from the ghetto was able to pass these tests without cheating. Mm. You hear what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, sorry for being so blunt. I hope I... Oh, no, nah, this is nah, this is not a kid show. We okay. Just, okay. Whoever, however my guests talk, that's what I accept. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was, it, was, it was amazing to me. It just tripped me out because I knew they thought I was cheating. But I was bored because of the stuff I'd already learned and while I was in high school, and I learned it because I had, you know, I felt I had to make a mark for my people. Hmm. And my let me ask you something because I want to go, I want to back up a little bit. Um, because I, I never knew that the, the, I know I knew you went to Crossland, but I didn't know it was basically segregate. You were integrating in like one percent. Um, did you experience any racism there? Of course I did. Okay. Okay. Not to, um, I, I, and, and since we're on that subject, two things I want to bring into point. One of them is one day there was a race riot that went on and I wasn't at school that day. So I didn't get caught up in it. 
and the other thing was one day uh they actually bust during my senior year they bust down like i think they said 400 black students to bright to try to bring the numbers up for integration mm-hmm. instead of segregation yeah so my senior year we had more black people there than i've seen the whole year the whole my whole time i was there wow yeah but that was that was a change of the that was the start of the change of the tide because soon after that it just started doing dweet 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 dweet. But <laughs> the way it is today, it's like totally different. It's like did a one eighty. I know it's crazy. Yeah, well, it's not bad. Hopefully, hopefully the programs are still there and the things that hopefully the kids that are going there today. We'll get the starting life that I got when I was there. Because it is my alma mater. And then let me and let me ask you something else, because I mean, let's be honest. You went to this school because you were getting a better education. Did you ever feel guilty about that? I didn't go to that school because I thought I was getting a better education. I went to that school because I wanted to learn how to use computers. Okay. 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 And that was the driving force for me. Okay. Well, let me, okay. Let me phrase it this way. Not and better education. Because, better guilty because I was able to go there. And right. That. And you were afforded better resources than most people in the neighborhood. That's how I, I want to phrase it. At that point, I don't feel that, um, I don't necessarily feel that I was afforded better resources per se. And yes, I probably was, but I was too naive to know uh, that what was going on at that time. Well, I didn't, right now, you would you would say you weren't you would say that now. I was naive at that point of what was okay. going on. That's what I was saying. So I can't say that that was the reason why I did it then. The reason why I did it then was because there was an opportunity for me to do something different. And I wasn't cognizant of the fact that there was segregation. And I also was not cognizant of the fact that there was white privilege because I really didn't realize it totally that I knew white America exists, but mm-hmm. I wasn't sure of how, to what degree. You know, I got introduced at the at the sixth grade level. This is my first time. And at sixth grade, I'm like 12 years old, still fairly young, but a little older. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was in my tweens. And so the impact of white America had not really hit me as much as it did as time went on in, in the more the older I got. Uh Okay. I was stuck in Tarzan era, if you can understand that. Not really. Explain okay. it. Well let, me, well, let me explain that to you, because that's a very key point. Tarzan era was, at that point, I was, a, I was a young Black kid, not knowing I was Black, not knowing Tarzan was white, but kind of knowing, but not really knowing. Okay, I was like in a, a, maybe I was in a uh, Never Never Land. But anyway, Tarzan was a hero and he always 
kicked all the black natives in Africa's butt. They had the animals, they've come to them and support him. So I was in the Tarzan era. I thought that Tarzan was a hero. But in actuality, Tarzan was not the hero. And Tarzan was abusing my people. And I didn't realize that. Uh, okay, okay. I got you. Okay. That make a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. Let's fast forward just a little bit. Um, I want to talk about marriage because you got married. How old were you when you got married? The first time? First time, yeah. 19. Oh, my God. I thought it was older than that. Exactly. So, so, so look at, I'm married at 19 years old. Do, do you, Somebody do you, should have been smacked. I was you pretty, much, you pretty much answered my question. I was gonna say, do you feel like he was ready? But from that answer, nah, I don't sound like he was ready. How could you be? You don't even know who the hell you are at 19. Yeah. How can you say that you're gonna take care of a woman and some children at 19 years old? Yeah. You know, I, I I take full responsibility for what I did, but here comes a but. I dealt with an old bearing father, someone that was, uh, he's a very good man. And you know, I love the hell out of him. And I love my family and I learned so much from him. He's a very wise man, too. But we all have our faults. Mm-hmm. And so I can't hold it against him. I just feel that when I was dealing with this young lady and I was just a young man, we we're both teenagers, not knowing, having no idea what life has in, ahead of us or in store for us. We are trying to discover what sex is all about, for me anyway. You know, I just wanted to have some cooch. <laughs> <laughs> I had an idea that you would say, oh, you're living in sin, getting married. And that was not the right thing to say to me. I think what he should have said to me was, son, you know, you got here, you're sowing your wild oats, you know, be careful. You don't want to make babies all over the place. Uh, fornication is a sin, according to the Bible. But, you know, course, although it's a sin, we still have to live and experience life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why would you call it fornication? Yes, it is fornication. But... The Bible says there are many sins, and you can't classify no sin as any worse than any other one. Yeah. Overeating is a sin. Is that worse than seducing your daughter? Okay, I'm going overbound now. I'm going to the far left and the far right. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Between those two. We as human beings view the latter of the two as very abominable and terrible thing to do. And we say overeating, no, it's not too bad, but they both are sin. And in God's eyes, they're the same level. Okay? Okay. Uh, I say that to say this. 
you know, we're quick to judge people and try to associate levels of sin and the things that we do and we can't do that. Um, my father should have said to me, son, like I said, be careful what you're doing. You don't want to hurt someone's heart. You don't want to break someone's heart. Protect your heart as well. Be careful because there are all kinds of diseases out here that you could catch. You know, there's all kinds of things he could have said to me besides you living in sin, getting married. 19 years old, I should not be married. I shouldn't be married before I'm 25. I, don't, I can't even take care of myself before then. Let me become established and have something to offer a woman and offer some children. If I can't take care of myself first, because the Bible says charity begins at home, that means you got to be able to take care of yourself first. If you can't take care of yourself, how the hell are you going to take care of somebody else? Yeah. I'm 19 years old. Don't in my butt from the hole in the ground. You know what I'm saying? So you you knew so you you knew you was making a mistake when you did it. I felt I was being pressured into doing it. Yes. Okay. Do but so what what you think would have happened if you had not got if you had disobeyed and not got married? Oh, I could not imagine. You think it would have fractured your relationship, you and his? Um, probably not. I'm sorry. But I wasn't smart enough to see that then. So I blame me. Again, I take responsibility. I blame me. Okay. I, I can't blame him. I can't blame him for being a bully and me not standing up to him you, you say you say you say bully yeah Ugh, at strange. times i feel bullied by that man okay yeah that's a strong word that's why i was a little taken back by it. yeah yes yeah, and no it's strong and that's that's how strongly i feel about it you mean you know <laughs> It's interesting because you mentioned the age 25. Yeah. And I remember when I was getting married, I was only 23. And I remember our conversation. Is that why you told me you I should wait? Is because I, you didn't think I was ready? Yeah. Okay. I, I think I thought that maybe you needed to experience a little more of what the world had to offer you before deciding to settle down. And that's the thing that we as uh, poor black Americans were not made aware of because we didn't have the opportunity nor the monies to experience something different or higher than that. Yeah. Because we, you know, we didn't have the money to make any, you know, better decisions. Yeah, it's. Um, I can look so, I can look back and say, at that time, I probably at twenty three, I probably wasn't ready. 
right? It did turn out okay, but it, it just, but I just wasn't. But when you look at the totality of it, I wasn't like where I was at financially. Um, being a provider, as you would say, yeah, I, I wasn't ready. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it 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 you know, it turned out okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but 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 that's key because if you have enough for yourself, then you can take care of someone else. If you don't, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle, a bigger struggle than it would if you you are in a different position. It's gonna be a struggle even if you even when you think you have enough, mm -hmm. because there are unforeseen things that we never, you know, we can't predict the future. We never see what's going to happen today or tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How old were you when you had um, your first son? <laughs> uh, 20, I think 21, something like that. I got to remember that. JP was born in 77 and I was born in 50, 22. Okay, so you, so you was married a couple years. I was 21, almost 22. So he was married a couple years before you had him there. Yeah, we got married. I was 19 and I, you know, I, I purposely wanted to wait because, huh. you know, there's something called a shotgun wedding and I didn't want no shotgun wedding. Married some girls because she got my baby. I was very particular about anybody having my children. I didn't want nobody to have my children. I, I said, hey, look, if, if, you ain't, <laughs> if you ain't on a pill, I'm using a condom. <laughs> so, you ain't having my baby. I ain't putting my baby in any and everybody. I, and, I and I meant that because if it's mine, I want to make sure they raise and raise properly and got what they need. You know what I'm saying? So what was it feeling like when you first had JP? Your I first was, I was inspired, I was happy, I was looking for it. And I was in, I was in, in sincerely very, very happy for all of my all of my children. My sons, I was happy for all of them. I was looking for daughters, you know, twice. I was disappointed with the first marriage. Because I, I just don't don't, mis, don't misunderstand what I'm saying now. I wasn't disappointed because I love my sons. I was just looking for a daughter. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to send the wrong message that no, nah, I didn't love my sons. I love the hell out of my sons, as you know. Oh, and yeah. They know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I was looking for a girl, you know, out of that, but didn't get one. But then, you know, I, I hooked up to with Jeanette, and I have a daughter now. And now I have three daughters because. I have three daughters, but one of them three is from me. Right. Well, so what was it like? Because you, you, what was it like for you raising three sons? It was, it wasn't bad because I kept them in the church and I stayed close to them. Hey, baby. My daughter just come in, Khadijah. <laughs> um. Anyway, I, I raised them in the church and we spent a lot of time in the church and I tried to talk with them. They hung out with me when I went to do things. I was hanging out with my boys, riding in the car, you know, doing what I did. They were with me, you know what I'm saying? And um, 
they said they gained a lot of knowledge by riding with dad in the car and hanging with his buddies, you know? And then nothing else. You were like my fourth son. That <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't have you included, you know? Yeah, right, right. So, like, that's two point. I call you Neff son. You know, I don't call you nephew. I call you Neff son. <laughs> yeah, so that's where it was. And, uh, now I don't regret none of that. What was the most important thing you was looking at still in, in though? Just to be um, strong, uh, confident in himself. I, I, I always encourage them to speak their mind. Uh, you know, whatever's on your chest, I want you to feel that you can share with me, you know, uh, talk to me. I don't want you to feel threatened that you can't tell me what you're thinking and feeling because, you know, that's, that, that stifles you and, and keeps you from becoming who you need to be as an individual, as a man, you know? Mm-hmm. You got to express yourself. And, and I always, uh, you know, I always uh, encourage that out of them. When you talk, when because I, I, of course, I, you know, all of us are like brothers, and I talk to them, and they tell me like, you know, on side conversations, like how much they learn from you, like everything you taught them. So when you hear things like that, how does that make you feel? It feels I'm accomplishing my job. That's my job to teach one, grow one. Our people perish for lack of knowledge. So mm. it's my job to, to, to educate and push it forward as much as I can. And it, 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 it warms my heart, too. I want to talk about a time. It was, it was a really tough time for um, not just you, but for the whole family. Um, it was when Chris, your son Chris, was sick. Mm-hmm. That was a really tough time for you. Like, I just remember, um, I remember like the time everything was going on. Like, personally, how did you keep the family together? Because you had to be the leader and you had to be strong to get all of us through that. So how did you get us through that? Oh, man. You told me it wasn't going to hurt me. That one hurt me. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's cool. I still struggle with that. I still struggle with that. Uh, When you love your children and you know they're going through something and you can't do anything, to be that helpless man, there's nothing like it. I still feel that pain right now. Not being able to help him, but just trusting God. And that's when you know where your faith is. Because I had to trust my father for my son. And he pulled them through. Yep. He definitely did. Like that was that was a time, but 
you know, by the grace of God, he, you know, he made it. You know, he's doing well. So, yes. Really a blessing. Yeah. That one always sits home because I love my children, all of them. And for God to spend time with him, take a walk with him, hold his hand because he told me about it. He remembers talking with God. And God told him some things. I remember what God told him. I'm not going to share that with you. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> remember him telling me they talked to God. And God told him some things. And I remember those things that he said. And uh, I am so grateful and thankful for my son. And he's still here in spite of. And so... Uh, What's the next subject? <laughs> I'm a transition to, I was actually going to transition to your second son, Ryan, because Ryan is a, is Ryan is an officer in the U.S. Army. Great man, great man. Me and him actually the same age. And me and you actually, well, not just me and you, the family went when he, when he um gave up command because he's a, a he's a lieutenant colonel he gave up command of his off his um of his post at Fort Drum and he gave up he gave this amazing speech and, and from that speech we could see like the type of leader he is and I wanted you to talk about the feelings you had watching him watching your son be a leader of men <laughs> oh nice transition <laughs> Yeah, I had it planned out. <laughs> Joy, it's a good job you did. I love it. Um, you know that that great that brought me great joy to see something that came from me accomplish the task that he accomplished. I remember talking to him before he reached his greatness. And tell him that you should always take care of his men. Take care of your people. Your people will take care of you. People are your best assets. I learned that from my career, working for IBM, one of the best institutions there was at that time. It wasn't just a job. It was an institution, a mega institution. I learned so much and got so much from that company that I've given back and shared with my children and people around me. But that's another story. <clears throat> but um, with the knowledge, some of the knowledge I achieved from those folks and uh, my upbringings from my father and the church and my walk with Christ and um, my teachings that I've had with how I should walk with Christ. I try to instill those things into my sons and give them things to shoot for. Not just my sons, but people around me, period. Mm -hmm. um, but my sons. And um, I'm very happy that they learned, they listened. And um, I try to also make sure that they also knew that they were individuals and they are individuals. And I think that I see that they know that there are individuals and they are pursuing their own goals. And um, 
doing good things, you know. Um, I'm happy. I thank God for it. I've never had a stand before a judge. Any of my sons saying, yeah, they were this and they were that. And I've never seen them from the other side of some bars. Never. None of my sons that I see from the other side of bars. Neither because I was there nor because they were there. And I thank God for that. And that's a blessing. You know? And I thank God that my sons have never had any bullets in their backs and been put through some of the things that a lot of our black youth, young men have been exposed to. I know Chris has been pulled over, had a gun aimed at him from a police officer. Hmm. He didn't shoot him and he's still alive. I know myself when I was a young kid before and then this stuff was really very popular. I was at Penmar Shopping Center. I went in the store and I came out and I parked on a do not park on the sidewalk like I shouldn't have. I come back to my car and police pull a gun on me, tell me I fit the description of somebody who robbed someone. I thank yeah. God he shoot me that day. You know? Wow. Yeah. I never knew those two stories. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, anyway, that's his life. God has been good to me. Still has been good to me. Mm-hmm. What, be, be, you have you got time to look back. You've, you've raised three great sons. Now you got a daughter. You got three. Now you got three daughters and another son. What would you say your most proudest moment about being a father is? Oh, man. <laughs> there are too many. There's too many to say the proudest. I, I, I'm not sure which one is the proudest, you know, because it happens, you know, I, I, I can't pinpoint one moment, you know. Um, I think about when Ryan won his uh, science contest. That was a very rewarding moment, you know, uh, and get a scholarship out of that. I look at when Chris was out there playing basketball as a little kid, running up and down that court, moving, doing things. I'm very proud of him. And then for him to survive, but he survived. That's a very proud moment, too. That's a very heartwarming moment. If nothing else, you don't have to be proud. Heartwarming moment. And I look at JP and his accomplishments. You know, uh, he invited me to come out to see him in a theater for people to watch movies that he's made. You know, mm-hmm. those, those are major feats, man. And then I have a nest son who's running a broadcast. Can't hold it. He's interviewed some really good people, man. You know, I, those are all warm memories and warm feelings for me. These are people that are very close to me. So uh, I don't have a one moment I can say to me more feel feel better than a father. Not this point. I think I think that's the perfect way to wrap it up. I yeah. really, really appreciate you doing this. And before I end it, um, let me just tell you how much I love you and I appreciate you because 
like you mentioned in the podcast, me growing up, you know, me, JP, Ryan, Chris, we always been close. We always been brothers. And there was times where you would tell them stuff and you would have to tell me stuff. We would, you would explain to me things, you know, just as a man, as a father. And even now those, those life lessons I still have to use. So I really appreciate you taking the time to mentor me and be a great father to my brothers because they're great men and I love them. And, and they, they, they're some, they really set a, a really high mark and, and I know you're proud of them and you should be. So I'm yeah, sure if they was here to tell you they appreciate you, I know they would. So I'll say it for them. I love you and I appreciate you. Yes. I love you too. And I appreciate you. And I, I, uh, hope that you will continue to make me proud because just the fact that you're doing what you do i mean you're not sitting around on your butt on your thumbs and twirling your thumbs you're doing some things you make some stuff happen and that alone makes me proud i appreciate it <laughs> keep it up i appreciate it so i'm gonna wrap it up and, and again i love you i wish you all the best and um, I'm sure me and you will be talking plenty of times after this. <laughs> yes, sir. I want, right. to, I want to take the time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate the support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore Lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with Lamp. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.